Welcome to the Wellness Restoration Project, where we explore the question of how are you well? A collection of interviews and explorations of resources, both ancient and modern, to help you create your own powerful network and practices in wellness. I'm your integrative herbalist and host, Shelley Swap. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Wellness Restoration Project. Today, I'm bringing back one of your favorite guests, Dr. Rajmi Shiram. Welcome back to the, the Wellness Restoration Project. Kelly, it is my absolute honor. Thank you so much for having me back. So what the audience doesn't know is that since um, you and I first met on the podcast two years ago since we met, um, that I have been practicing meditation with you have joined your program and that have become a regular meditator. Like it's become a piece of my daily routine consistently for about a year and a half now. And it has brought me so many good things that I could never have anticipated. So I'm really excited to have you back on the podcast to offer more of these resources to my audience, to your audience, and to as many people who we can reach as possible Rajmi, if you don't mind, will you, do you mind like reintroducing yourself really quickly for those who maybe didn't get a chance to listen to the first couple of times that I've had you on, um, and then we can have them go back and catch some of those podcasts later if they're interested. But I love to hear your story and how you got to this place because you didn't start out in your professional endeavors to be a meditation coach, but yet here you are killing it. <laughs> they say, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I appreciate this opportunity. So I'm a board certified family physician. I was actually born in India and I lived there until I was 12. And I, during that period of time, got to live with a very large extended family that was led by my matriarch or matriarch, my grandmother, who was a very avid yogi meditator and would sneak very often to me different mantras and different um, traditions that were generally previously reserved just for boys. And so she was, you know, definitely the original feminist in my life. And that's really how my interest got peaked with something like meditation, or even just this idea that there's something beyond the physical realm that's here. It's not that I was meditating as a child or anything like that. And then fast forward to age 12, I moved, we immigrated to the United States and I went to middle school and high school in a very small coal mining town where I immediately tried to adapt and dropped all semblance of, of looking, being anything Indian or anything related to that. And that sort of um, came to a little bit of an interesting amalgam during college where I was a, a closet meditator. I found a group that was meditating. And so you can start to see this like on again, off again, kind of thread with meditation and me in my life. And then I went on to medical school from there and dropped all kinds again of, of ties to meditation, because at that time it appeared to me that it was like a weakness. And so same thing during residency. So practice very traditional medicine or trained in such as well. And then in my thirties, I had young kids. I was working a lot. My husband was working a lot and I started to have a lot of issues that were definitely related to emotional, you know, not emotional health, not understanding how to deal with that. 
my own mental health, my own physical health. And I waited as we, most of us do until my physical health started to break down because it wasn't enough for me to deal with mental or emotional well-being. And so I started having things like chronic daily migraines. I started to have insomnia, indigestion, all of the things that come from stress not being metabolized. And I tried several traditional medical things and really none of them were working for me. And I started to explore the world of Ayurveda again, because it was something that I had grown up with. And I started to re-explore this mindfulness aspect and I got huge results pretty quickly. And I, again, would have an on, on again, off again. And that translated to me getting a little bit of results here and a little bit of results there, but they were so magnificent that I wanted to go learn more. And so I started to sign up for teaching classes, not because I thought I'd ever teach because I had a booming growing medical practice that was doing just fine, but it's because I needed the accountability. I needed the in-depth kind of teachings. And we didn't have the internet back then. There was no Facebook. There was no way for me to find a community like what we have now, right? Like there was no Zoom that I knew of. And that's really how I got into a lot of this work. And that was, um, you know, 11, 12 years ago. And from there, it's really just taken off. And during the pandemic, I started offering just a few of these things online. And it, again, has taken off from there. And it has been an absolute joy ride for me to be able to just be here for all of it and to be able to provide the kind of services that I do for amazing women like you, where we combine a lot of coaching and mindset and Ayurveda and, and certainly meld all of that on the groundedness of meditation and mindfulness. And that's really a very long story. I hope that's okay. Well, that was beautiful. So you're not practicing in your Western medicine clinic anymore. Is that correct? You know, I still have a little foot in the door. I do some telemedicine uh, consults periodically, but it's very few and far between. I would say 98% of all the work that I do is outside of the traditional role. And so it is this work, this beautiful work that you've been brought to. I I love that. The theme of this, this season that just launched of the Wellness Restoration Project is about understanding that your soul knows the geography of your destiny. In fact, the quote that I'm using to guide this season is from John O'Donohue. And he says, your soul knows the geography of your destiny. Your soul alone has the map of your future. Therefore, you can trust this indirect, oblique side of yourself. And if you do, it will take you where you need to go. But more importantly, it will teach you a kindness of rhythm in your journey. Um, and I can see that in your in your experience as well. Like it just is this map that your soul has been working on following, but I'm <laughs> so grateful that you followed yours. I often have people, when I suggest to them that I would love for them to consider some breathing practices and that, and many of them I've learned from you to, you know, I'll offer them in the midst of a consultation, because so many times, as you know, as I'm working with people, um, you cannot unpeel the stress in their lives from the nutrition and from the the physical effects that their body is having. When we're trying to get well, we have to find resources for all the different pieces of us. It's not a one-step approach, I guess. It's a multi-step, multi-faceted. And when I'm really trying to make changes, when I'm trying to figure out next steps, whether it be in how to care for my family or what to do with my business, just so many different things that mean a lot to me. And I'm, I have so many different voices that are 
weighing in, <laughs> whether they're the voices in my head or the voices outside of me, meditation has taught me how to give myself time to hear that voice that seems to have more clarity, more kindness, and more steadiness in it. And so I love that you are offering this sense of peaceful power to people. It's definitely what you have helped me find. Wow. That's incredible, Shelly. So that's like a mic drop situation right there. I don't know if we need to follow that up with anything, <laughs> right? So this sense, this almost intangible that's giving you so many tangible results, such as clarity and focus and intuition and access to decision-making that maybe felt more uncomfortable or or not as clear for you before. That's absolutely incredible. And that's really some of the results that we start to see, right? And I also really love how you described that you cannot unpeel, um, you know, it's not separate. The nutrition piece is not separate from the emotional mind body piece. It is always intricately involved and you're really trying to help the whole person when you're working with someone and you're saying, Hey, this is something that I can model for you. I've, you know, I didn't think that meditation would help me or however that is, right? Like we all think that, I mean, it was really the science of meditation that got me involved in the first place, but you know, here I am a year and a half into it. Here's some of the results that I'm seeing. And, and really, if I understand this, right, you're really even incorporating breath work, which is yoga, which is pranayama which we know is also a very powerful way to help people move through life. So I love, I love how you ask this question, which is, Hey, why should we even care about meditation in a way, you know, like if we were to be really simple about it, why, should, why? And, and really the, and I also, people will ask, does everyone need to meditate? And my short answer for that is no. Right. And I can back that up with some people are actually very, very mindful because they have cultivated mindfulness in some other way. And so meditation is really the formal practice of mindfulness. Mindfulness is the practice of skillful living. And so if someone doesn't have a traditional sitting, you know, meditation practice, yet they go rock climbing every day for two hours, or they're surfing every day for an hour, those are all really mindful activities where you are practicing being in the moment, practicing curiosity, practicing non-judgment and developing that skill. Perhaps you don't need to do a sitting meditation or lying down meditation or some kind of formal meditation. But ultimately what we know for sure is that every single one of us has more stress than we could deal with. And we also know that meditation as a practice, the way that it's designed, the way that, you know, the lineages that you and I practice, those were handed down from teacher to student and have evolved for thousands of years to be a very time efficient, cost efficient antidote to this chronic daily stress that we all have too much of. And so if there's something that's time efficient and cost efficient and we're not picking it up, why? I mean, there's reasons that these things have survived thousands and thousands of years and have been continued to be handed down. And I, I think I find myself in awe of the work that it requires to continually make sure that these practices live, whether it's the practice of meditation or the practices of herbalism or mindfulness of any sort, they are so valuable, but it takes time and wisdom 
and in order for us to see the value in them, they're not, you know, they're not shiny, fast things that are easy to pick up. So yeah. I appreciate the way that you described that. And you're right. I think there have been a lot of times in the past when I was able, you know, more of my mindfulness practices, and I didn't even know what to call it then, were when I could get out and go for a hike or a run, you know, for years I was a runner and it just helped me get through my day and help me sort my, my brain out because I did have to be very present you know, in order to get through that run. And I didn't think of it like that, but as I've gotten older and I do need to have more ways to access that stillness, this has been such a gift because not only do I access it when I'm meditating, when I'm in the middle of a yoga nidra, and I finding that it's gotten easier to access in other times of my day when I need it. I can get there more quickly. Whereas before I felt like I had to go through the whole process of 20 minutes in before I could actually access a few moments of that space. And now it's become, it's not always that way, but now it's become, there are times it's a lot easier to access and I'm so grateful for it. Wow. And I find that's true for me as well. I find other students will say the same as well is, you know, if we can, if we can be consistent with something like a yoga ninja practice, you know, that some people call an SDR or a mantra meditation or whatever it is that resonates for you. If we can just be consistent with it, the results compound over time. They don't just add up. They actually compound over time, which is what you're seeing is that you can have access to that sense of calm or peace or groundedness, however it is that you kind of sense that regardless of the circumstances and you can sense it a little bit faster and you can have access to it a little bit faster. And it gives you this inner power of knowing, I don't have to be that scared of what's around the corner. I mean, none of us know what's around the corner. We really don't. If we think we do, we're fooling ourselves, right? I mean, life is uncertain. That's just that's just part of life. There's uncertainty. The brain hates it. The brain likes to predict exactly what's coming up next. And oftentimes that we create worry, right? So worry is just predicting the future based on the past or predicting based on some horror movie or some article you read or whatever it is. But it worry is just a prediction. And it can take us away from the present moment. It can take us away from our lives now. That's the only place life is being lived. And so when you talk about having this access, you're also simultaneously saying, I have this awareness, which is what mindfulness is. And I have this awareness that when my mind is not disciplined, and that's really what we're talking about, I have an awareness and I don't have to be either harsh or negative about it. I understand this is part of the human experience. And I also understand that I have the power to come back to what's here right now, which is the raw experience of being alive in this moment. I love that. And it, it's so, it, it wasn't until I started meditating that I began to realize how much time I was spending anywhere but in the moment I was in. Constantly worrying about what was coming next or what had just happened. And that is not a fun way to live your life. I think most of us live there. <laughs> I think it's very common, but it it's a painful way to live. And it really is. It really is. I mean, if I would go through an example of my day 10 years ago, Shelly, it would be uh, absolutely probably other than being in a patient's room, it would be no other time would be spent in my own, you know, like in my own life 
with these precious, you know, kids who like <laughs> we really fought to have and are working towards. It's always, you know, ordering groceries, going to get groceries, making a list for groceries, you know, returning an email when you're supposed to be watching a show that they put on. It, it's, you know, that's that constant or the worry of like, oh my gosh, did they get sunburned? What, what's, you know, all this, all the silly stuff that we put so much on the forefront and start to predict these dire futures that then we miss so much. And I can tell you for a fact, I think I did miss so much. And it isn't so much for me to say, oh, you know, I, I wish I could go back. I mean, there's no such thing as going back. All we can do is say, I have to go through that to get to where I am today. If I didn't go through that struggle and the challenges and all of that, there's no way that I would have come to this work that I started doing. I think it takes a lot of grace to get to that place because it is hard to grieve what you missed out on when you didn't realize that you could have done things differently. And I, I do love that there is so much power in understanding that you have a choice, even if the choices are crummy, <laughs> that you, you have a choice in the moment that you're in, how you're going to show up and, and giving your mind a chance to just access that place of stillness or and if, and if stillness isn't the word that makes sense to people but just being able to kind of step back into that place where you go oh I have a breath here before I make the next decision I don't necessarily have to react um I can choose how I want to respond that's so powerful like you said that's it's incredible. so powerful and it allows us to not miss some of the opportunities that we you know, as we were maturing, hopefully <laughs> that we, we did just because we didn't know better. So, yes. yeah, that's it. Right. And that, I love what you were talking about when we bring that awareness in. it's simultaneously, we also need to bring in self-compassion and that is a big part of mindfulness. And as you know, Shelly, we spend a lot of time like <laughs> diving in and out of and moving through the skill of self-compassion because it is a skill that we can develop and it is a skill that will help us reach closer to our kind of more aligned selves than than being harsh on ourselves and so we think well that's just not how I'm made well no one's made anyway and there's no hard wiring we're all we're all constantly rewiring the brain and yeah. so this self-compassion bit, the awareness bit, and then really the idea of responding versus reacting to stimuli as they come into us, which is happening, I don't know, thousands of times a day. Yeah. I I know that when I first started, like, okay, I made the decision I'm gonna meditate. And I I before I met you, before I started working with you, I was I was actively trying to find resources to help me do that. But I had this idea in my mind that once I became a regular meditator, that I would no longer be stressed out. <laughs> like, like somehow that would allow me to just, this sounds so funny, but like it would, it would give me this higher way of living where I wouldn't get stressed out. And I, I can, and maybe, maybe at some point I'll get there. Please let me know if you do. <laughs> The stresses haven't stopped, but like you said, I have, I have a better understanding of how I can approach those stressors, how I can look at those stressors. And there's more space that it's just, I, it sounds very woo woo. And I guess it is, but it's very real in my psyche that there is more space 
to make decisions from. And I also have more resources now that when I go, okay, I know I'm in this space of like spinning, my head is spinning. I don't think I'm thinking clearly because I'm reacting all the time. I know that I can go to that place of meditation. I can pull up a meditation. I can pull in that, that practice and allow my brain to settle down and my heart to settle down and make space again to be able to, to show up and, and hopefully respond better. And I, and my hope in so doing isn't just for my own benefit. While that is definitely a huge part of it, I really want my children and the people that I work with to experience that as an example as well, because I don't remember having that as an example growing up. If we can offer more of that to the generation coming behind us, what a, a gift like that gives everyone to have more people who have that demonstrated to them on a regular basis. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, each time you show up a different way for, you know, the people that you're serving on the podcast or, you know, with your family, you're causing that ripple effect and emotions are contagious. And so if you're showing up with contentment and giving yourself permission to feel ease and joy, which by the way, can be really uncomfortable if we don't practice them as a skill, then it's, it's contagious. Emotions spread very, very quickly. And so the ripple effect is incredible. And the fact that you're teaching it makes you an even better learner. That's really the fastest way to learn is to teach. And so I'll often say in our group, I'll say, you've got to go teach this breath work now. And it, and of course, people have to be receptive to it. But as soon as you start to teach it, when you start to get questions, you'll say, oh, you know, this is, this is how I find this or that, or, you know, there's so many nuances to it. And so the idea that we can be the resources for the generation after us is absolutely beautiful. And I could not agree more. I have young adults, I, I know you do too, and they want absolutely nothing to do with it right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so sometimes I think the only way to offer it is in showing them how to respond differently, or at least That's it. we can only model it. And hopefully as they go through their own developmental process and their own journey, that, um, that path will lead them to a place to, to seek that out is my hope, you know, and if it's not this type of a practice, maybe it will be some other form of mindful practice that allow them to really enjoy more of the life that they have the opportunity to live. So you, you came on the podcast originally, and we talked about some really simple ways to get started. Mindful walks, just sitting and experiencing the world around us. I love that. And I have referred so many people to that podcast, but I have had requests for a little bit more. How do we step a little bit more? They're not quite ready to jump into a full yoga nidra. And maybe if you don't mind kind of explaining what the difference is between a mindful walk and then all the way into what, a, you know, yoga nidra, what you do teach in your programming um, and when you're coaching, but that there are some other offerings. Like you did a beautiful one last night that you offered that wasn't a full like 30 minute experience. I believe it was maybe like, I don't know, eight or nine minutes. How long was it? <laughs> That's um, right. It was about eight or nine minutes. Yeah. It was just, but it's, it was just, it's one that is that you can step into without feeling like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to um, stay with it? the whole time, or I just don't have enough time. I know I feel that often in my life of like, oh, I just don't have enough time to give this 30 minutes. Whereas now that I've been 
practicing, I know that if I give it 30 minutes, I get back that time and a half. I get, I get well more back because of my ability to settle down and respond instead of react to things. But, but I couldn't have told you that two years ago. I couldn't have even considered that two years ago. So, so can you kind of give us an idea of to, you know, the different, I guess, types of meditation? For sure. So the simplest way to consider just a, a seated meditation is just a breath meditation. And really the simplest practice is, is literally just to sit down, maybe turn on a timer for four minutes and just sit down and notice, notice the breath and just, you know, not trying to control the breath. And that counts as meditation, right? Meditation it doesn't mean we have no thoughts. Doesn't mean we're controlling our thoughts. Doesn't mean we're fighting our thoughts. It just means that we said we would meditate for four minutes by noticing the breath and we set the timer. And no matter where the mind goes, we just bring it back to the breath for four minutes. It's really just that simple. And it's the idea of letting go of expectations. And it's the idea too of letting go of judgments of a particular meditation session. Because I mean, it's mindfulness, it's non-judgment. So so it's the so first good it step. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> so good, right? So we're used to having metrics, which is great in other parts of our lives. We're used to always having a certain metric for how fast we run or how fast we go up a flight of stairs or checking our VO2 max. And those are all really helpful. But for the practice of meditation, really the benefits that you get physiologically, it really doesn't matter if you felt like you were crazy and all these different thoughts and all you did was come back to your breath a thousand times in four minutes, or whether you just felt like, oh my gosh, I can't believe four minutes passed. It doesn't matter. The results are still the same. The benefits are still the same. And so it's kind of useless to say I had a great meditation or I didn't have a great meditation. I mean, it's, it's fun to, to have that conversation with yourself, but it, there's no such thing as a good or bad meditation. It's just meditation. So having said that, let's talk about one of the most common reasons why most of us don't meditate, which is that we don't have time. And it's true. We really don't have time. We do not have the time. The thing is we have to create that time. And we have to create that time based on our priorities. And if we say my health, my mental, emotional, and physical health is important to me. And this idea of having a pretty cheap or zero cost tool to, to releasing excess stress that's causing inflammation, all the other downstream effects, whether it's you know cholesterol, digestive issues, diabetes, obesity, all those things. And well, then we better at least put, what is it, put some attention on what we say is our priority. And so we better prioritize five minutes a day. Almost everyone that comes to work with me, we really hardly ever start anything more than four or five minutes a day, right? So especially with a month or meditation and it works. And we know that microdoses work and we know that over time, literally, and sometimes it's like day three, your timer goes off and your mind is like, I am not ready to come out. And so we say, go ahead and set it another two minutes or three minutes. So start small. We kind of bypass the alarm bells. The amygdala says, I don't have time. Start small, start small. And that's really where most people need to start. Now, the next place where the vast majority of all of my students start is most likely the most popular offering. And you've referred to it, I've talked about it, and that's Yoga Nidra, also known as NSDR, which is non-sleep deep rest. The results behind it are astounding, absolutely astounding as far as mind-body benefits go. And it is a sleep-based, not that you're asleep, but is a sleep-based, fully guided meditation that uses 
a combination of different techniques, including breath work, including body scans, including visioning, including intention setting, including affirmations, and it's fully guided and it has a particular format and it's developed, it's been developed over hundreds and hundreds of years. And so when I say to people, I invite you to just come lie down in a supremely comfortable position and follow along. Most of the time, people will try it. And most of the time, whether you're a seasoned yogi or this is your first time meditating, people will get results because it is so powerful. And that is usually the, the hook. And then we have to figure out, do I have 25 or 30 minutes? And the answer is you do not, my friend, you do not have it. <laughs> you will have to create it and you will have to create it based on what Shelly's telling you, what I'm telling you, what other people might tell you, which is this is an investment. Your time is your one non-renewable resource. How will you invest it? And if Shelly's saying, I get 1.5X, maybe 2X of time back, meaning focus, productivity, all of those things, presence, whatever it is, however you value your time. And that's definitely true for me. I would say I get two or 3X out for sure. Especially if I do an intro in the middle of the day, I, it's, it's like I have two separate days. So it's a question of, Am I going to prioritize this? Do I have time? No. Am I going to create the time? That's up to them, right? And so that's really a great place to start in a non-confrontational, you have to do it kind of way is, is, is try it, right? And so a lot of times I'll say, try it just on the weekends. And if you can work it in during the weekdays, but because even just two days is better than none. Does that help? Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does a ton. And I love that. I mean, you're the, I think you're the one who originally taught me that um, it doesn't matter how long it takes us to, to fill up the bottle, whatever the drops are, whether it is that first five hours of meditation that we've collected over the course of, you know, it could be months, it could be years. You still get the benefits at five hours. You still get the benefits 10 hours of, of meditation later, whether it was, you know, five months or 10 years down the road, you tend to get those benefits. So I love that you, yeah, I love the way you described that. I had to I have to chuckle because Huberman, is it, is it Andrew Huberman? He has a, it is. Yeah. He's got a huge following. Yeah. Huge. He constantly is talking about how his, his superpower is NSDR. And, yeah. And, and he, you know, and, and I confirmed with my teacher that he's, he's actually following her, which is oh, really that's awesome. cool. Yeah. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, he, he talks about it all the time and people say, oh, you know, it's non-sleep depressed and, um, and he, and I've been grateful that he's, he says, yes, it's actually called yoga nidra, but, <laughs> but, you know, in the technical, when we have, when we do research on it, we call it non-sleep depressed, or that's the Western medicine term for it. I know that when I get to that point in my day where I'm spinning because I'm tired and I'm stressed or I, and I, I'm struggling to like, I feel like my productivity has tanked <laughs> that when I make time to do a nidra, whether it's, you know, 20 or 30 minutes or even like the one you offered last night, I was amazed at how much more I got done at the end after, you know, the last couple of hours of my day, um, because I took the time to do that. And it helped me make a decision that I'd been trying to make because of, because of the, the, the intention that we set at the beginning. And, and the outcome was really helpful because I had told my mind, Hey, this is what I'm trying to figure out. And in allowing my mind and my body to rest through that, as you guided that meditation, it made space to figure it out. 
Whereas all the other things I've been doing, you know, multiple things at the same time, we're not allowing space for that. Um, so before we before we jump in, I'm hoping that you wouldn't mind offering something to our audience today. Um, could you define a couple of things for people who maybe aren't familiar? Um, I think mon, mon, is it mantra. That is a you word that I, right. yeah. I had heard, but I didn't quite understand what it meant. I think I'd love it if you define that word. Intention. Like what is an intention? And what's the difference between a guided meditation and a non-guided meditation? Yeah, I love that. These are great. I, I will often say mantra. Uh, it's M-A-N-T-R-A. A lot of the times we might pronounce it as mantra here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how you say it. It's just, um, and mantra has a span, has, has really the, a span of just two different words inside of it. And in Sanskrit, it just means mind vehicle or mind ladder. And so it's exactly what you just described, which is we give the monkey mind something to do while we slip past the mind which is also the exercise that we did last night, which is really this capacity for us to move past the analytical, logical thinking mind. Now we have to have that logical thinking mind, but it actually has a lot of limitations. And when we hit those limitations, we just keep trying the same thing over and over again, which is to try logic and analysis and it no longer works. And we're left in kind of a a swirling kind of downward spiral. And that's when we can say, or you can say, okay, aha, that's what's happening. I'm aware that I can't find a solution here. I'm going to go into this deep rest for eight minutes and just see what emerges. And that's when the creativity is able to come out. So so that's mantra. A guided meditation is exactly as you described it, right? And so a guided meditation is where all you have to do is lie down and follow along. And each time the mind goes off to a different place, you just come back to the guidance because there is generally say for a few pauses that are meant to be there, there is something for you to do. So there might be, I might be asking you to put your attention on the base of your spine, or I might be asking you to breathe in a certain way. I might be asking you to focus your attention on your third eye. There, So there are all kinds of different asks that we have. And there is a certain amount of surrender when you go into a guided meditation, which is, phew, I don't have to think. I can really just follow along and I can just be. And that is really a very, a very beguiling, beautiful magnetic way to do a, a, to do a meditation. So let's go to the mantra meditation. So a non, so that's generally a non-guided meditation, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the, the premise with a mantra based meditation or breath meditation is that you would then silently repeat because that is a vibration as well. You would silently repeat a particular mantra, which has a different vibration depending on what it is that you're after. So in yoga, there are literally, you can go to like a, a mantra conference and <laughs> thousands of mantras, you know, for fertility or for focus or, and then there's personalized mantras as well that are really based in Vedic mathematics. And so it's a real science behind it. And that's the stuff that we can trace back to 5,000 years ago in, in the Himalayan foothills. And, and it's really, really fascinating. And so that would be non-guided in that you are actually guiding yourself in, in that you are slipping. It's a, it's like a slipstream. I think of when I think of a mantra, when I think of my mantra, which really, you know, when that happened for me, when I got mine years and years ago, that that was what clicked. That's what changed everything for me. That's what made 
meditation for me, this like, oh my gosh, I'm looking forward to sitting down to meditate. And, and, you know, the mind, the analytical, logical mind at one point said, how boring is that, that I have one month for the rest of my life, but that's actually not true at all. It's incredibly rich and enriching and gets deeper and deeper. And there's a kind of a new level of, I don't like the word mastery, but there's a new level of self-mastery that can come from that. And a new level of self-actualization, self-realization that can come from from the depth of an experience of a mantra-based meditation. And I think the thing that was really interesting, I'd never even heard of a personalized mantra before I met you and have since been gifted mine. And it is, it is something that I cherish. And it, it's just this, it's just so sweet to have something that's just mine. That was just calculated for me based on, you know, when I was born and where I was born and all those different things. And it's just, it's really sweet. Did you say, did you mention that like, it was only for men originally, like women? Oh were- yeah. Much of all of these things, right. Cause a lot of this is patriarchal and that was part of what actually kind of, kind of repelled me initially from some of this stuff. But, but the truth is, I mean, so much of the patriarchal culture is swinging, hopefully into a little bit more equity. And so, and that's really what some of the modern teachers are striving for. And even now I was having a conversation actually with my parents last night that was spurred on by the Barbie movie and my dad's experiences as, as a, as a young boy with his mom, who was a widow and how even at age seven, he actually had to protect her in different places like temples. And he recalls that vividly as, as, as an absurdity that his mom, who was an incredible human being, could not go anywhere without her two sons or at least one son on hand. Otherwise violence was actually what she was subjecting herself to as wow. a young woman. And so they're real, they're real stories. And, but they're also real changes that are happening, thankfully. That is, um, so bring, thank you for sharing that with us. And when it comes to the the guided meditation, I think some people think, well, I don't want you to, I've had this conversation recently with someone and they're like, well, I don't know if I'd, I'd want to just listen to someone tell me a story. <laughs> like and it for isn't, sure. it isn't, I get that. I mean, I actually like people telling me stories if they're interesting, right? But um, but there there seems to be some key pieces that have been, that are involved in these meditations that really help us to, to access that stillness and to pay attention. It's, it is, as I, I had a group here over the weekend, we did a sound bath and, and some work and on deep breast and that sort of thing here in my local community. And, and the way that I kind of described it to this community, because it was a language that they were familiar with is it's almost a form of, of forgiveness and of, of constantly forgiving yourself for not being here and being able to kind of pull yourself back to, oh, I'm right here. I'm right here. Monkey mind starts to wander off and worry about this or that. And, and the lovely thing about that guided piece, like you said, is it's someone who's holding space for you and reminding you to come back to here, come back to this moment, come back to this gift you have to just be here in this space and and you do it not by just saying hey hello pay attention (laughs) that would not be very calming and it's it's actually really beautiful because like in my experience with you and with others 
is there are breathing practices. So you begin to kind of slow your breath and allow your nervous system to settle down and then focusing on different body parts and paying attention to those and then moving into and my favorite things is when, when there's an intention that's set out. And when we talk about intention, it's like, maybe, maybe it's an intention to be able to daydream a little bit about what you're, what you are hoping your future will hold. So you're, you're allowing some of that future energy or to come in, but not in a worrying kind of place, but let's open access to what is it that your heart and your mind, or this, you know, like this quote that I shared earlier, what is it? that your destiny, that you're, you constantly find yourself striving for. And let's give you a moment to access that. Um, and others that I think I've done with you have been around clarity, like just being able to find clarity in the moment, um, or finding self-compassion. Um, and I, I really, I just really loved being able to kind of pick and choose when I needed it and go in and say, I could really use some time right now to access that space of abundance. Um, and this is the intention that this particular guided nidra or guided meditation is offering me as an opportunity to really um, focus on the abundant nature of my life um, and, and of the life that we just get to live here on this abundant earth. And because I forget, you know, I forget <laughs> all the time. We all oh, do. Um, so anyway, as far as, as intention goes, I'm hoping that that is a, a way to help people better understand what it is and why it's a piece of the Nidra and why it's so valuable. I don't know. What else would you add to that? I think so. So an intention is just a vibration. An intention is not a goal. A goal is generally based on the past and goals are very, very important. An intention is based on the potential for infinite and like an infinite amount of, of, of possibilities that are out there. And so in in the lineage of, of the yoga nidra and there are about five in the world that i follow and teach intentions or setting intentions as seeds is a major component of this particular type of nidra and and it and each nidra is a little bit different in that we use different techniques but each of them has a scaffolding that we follow as teachers and part of that scaffolding is allowing the person who's practicing the capacity to, like you said, daydream or allow and open a sense of wholeness, a sense of worth, a sense of self-compassion, a sense of self-love, a sense of empathy. And a lot of them, Shelly, as you know, is about letting go of what's not ours. Yeah. Which we forget to do as well. Yeah. We yeah. take certain emotions and we hold them so tight. We think that that's who we are. And it's really not until we can quiet the mind, move past that ego, that we can say, oh, I, this isn't mine. This, this was never mine. I'm letting this go. And, and that's how we become lighter. That's how we use our intentions. And, and they're really seeds. And when we move into brainwave states, like we do in a nidra, for example, and actually this happens in mantra as well. When we move into brainwave states of alpha, which is, you know, kind of that lower, very programmable states. And then actually we can see theta and even delta, which are even slower brainwaves. Those are highly programmable. And we're really reaching the subconscious mind. And most of our thoughts, probably 85% of our thoughts are actually generated from the subconscious mind. And so it is much more malleable than the logical analytical mind, which really wants to argue with us. 
and it's fine. We're not here to argue with it. We're just, we're just here to move a little bit past it, go a little deeper into the roots, plant some seeds, come back out, see what shows up. And we do that over and over again. And we start to see a lot of growth. I love that. I, I think we are hearing more and more and more about how so many of our decisions and actions are driven by the subconscious mind um, and oftentimes traumas. They drive so much of how we react and act and what we choose and what we're afraid of and what we're not afraid of. And, and so what a gift to be able to go in and gently reprogram with kindness and abundance those deep subconscious thoughts. I am, yeah. they're very real um, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of kindness and a lot of courage to, to allow ourselves to rewrite those pathways and open ourselves up for new experiences. So anyway, I clearly am a fan. <laughs> it's same, same here. Right. And so I, and I have teachers and mentors who I go to when I need that help. I have a coach that I go to when I need that help. And so in that way, we are all constantly developing and growing and evolving. And there's a saying in the Vedas that says, seek those who seek enlightenment, but run from those who came, who claim to have found it. And so I can tell you for sure, I have not you know, I'm not claiming any kind of enlightenment, uh, but, uh, but we have seen little glimpses of these, the, the shimmers of, of the purity of this present moment of the potential for literally infinite potential. And when we can continuously realign ourselves to be in that space of abundance and notice that scarcity, actually that, that mindset is very real and it, you know, we don't even have to logically say this is exactly where it came from. It might have no logical sense, but this constriction actually was super protective for me when I was a certain age. It yep. really helped me to thrive, but I no longer need it. And so I'm willing to let it go so that I can live in this particular way that is different. And I can live with the discomfort of opening to abundance and seeing what doors open for me. I can live with the slight amount of discomfort that comes with, I'm broadcasting this energy to the world of an open heart. And I'm broadcasting this energy that says I'm willing and deserving and worthy. I love it. That might feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it does. I, I mean, it does feel very uncomfortable for most of us who've been taught, you know, you shouldn't expect anything. For sure. And, and, you know, and the word deserving is a very tricky word. It's not privilege and it doesn't mean someone else doesn't deserve. Thank you. I appreciate you defining that. I think that's really important because it, it they, they, some of these words do have a lot of baggage that they, they do. Can. They do. And rightfully so. And so when we acknowledge, Hey, this is why this is triggering for me. It's okay just noticing that is actually the power. Yeah. I love that. So you have an opportunity for people to come and kind of and dip their toes into this practice coming up. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because this has been something that has been such a gift in my life and has allowed me to gift this also to my clients when I have you know, as you have taught me tools, as I've gained more tools, I've been able to turn around and offer them to others. And so I wanted you to come back on and, and have, be able to have a deeper conversation about what this is. And I really enjoyed this today. I hope that it becomes, um, I hope it gets listened to hundreds and hundreds of times for people because it's, it's really gotten an opportunity to dis describe and define so many of the things that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Um, and you, and that you don't, you don't, if you don't know somebody you can ask these questions of, 
you can kind of wander around feeling like, I don't have a clue what this means. <laughs> Am I missing something? Or um, it, it, it does become a language that you, um, that, that you learn, but it isn't natural for most of us that are walking around in this very busy modern world. So thank you for taking the time to define all those things for us. I would love to offer, if you're up for it, a chance to, you know, to allow them to meditate a little bit more with you if you have the time still. And then I'd really love you to be able to talk a little bit more about what it is that's coming and, and what you're offering in the next couple of weeks. Sure, you got it. I um, can tell you about Rewire Your Brain now, and then we can end with a soft little meditation if that works well for you. Yeah, so great. Rewire Your Brain is a six-week program, and it is, like you said, dip your toes in kind of thing. And I specifically designed this. This is about the third time I'm offering it. I only open doors about once or twice a year. And I designed it literally based on a study that was published earlier this year that was six weeks long that had a community and a teacher that had enormous benefits as far as neurotransmitters go, as far as relief of <clears throat> things like anxiety and depression <clears throat> symptoms go. It actually was equivalent to um, a fairly common SSRI that we tend to use that goes by the name of Lexapro. And it was, and at the end of the the study, the authors concluded that, you know, they, they, they had some people just use an app, which is also good. I send people to apps all the time. They, and they had someone, you know, some people read a book and then they had some people work within a community and, and with a teacher. And it was the folks who <clears throat> had the human contact that actually had the biggest kind of gains, if you will, if that's such, if that's even a word. Um, and they had the astounding results uh, based on that. And so to me, that was the impetus for this. And also just past experiences of knowing that when people get to dip their toes and don't have to commit to a year or six months or whatever, that they will still get results, even if that's all they do. And that's really what it is. And it's on my website. It's just my name, rashmishram.com. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that we, I, I'm excited for this to get introduced to more people. Um, and it's a great time of year to introduce it because we, I was just talking to a young friend um, today as I was leaving teaching to this morning, I was teaching some classes and um, kind of our last week of classes in the summer and we're headed into the fall and school starting and all the things changing. And she just said, I get so much anxiety at this time of year because everything is ramping up. I know that, you know, the school is starting again and, and work is going to be more intense. And then we've got the holidays and it's going to get cold where we live and dark and all those things. And just that anxiety of what's coming. And I can feel it too. Like I had a little, I had a moment today where I was like, man, this is our last, <laughs> it's my last teaching of the summer. And then everything will go into the fall. And, and so it is a kind of the perfect time of year to offer yourself some support if you tend to feel that anxiety as the seasons change. Um, I love the Ayurvedic, and you'll you'll probably be able to pronounce this term, but there's a term that, uh, that talks about that space between summer um, and fall and how there is this kind of time that, that the earth allows during the equinox or you know, during these season changes for us to kind of take a deep breath and make an intention about what we want the next season to be. And I am so guilty of just allowing the chaos to overwhelm me <laughs> and the anxiety of all the things and all the expectations. And so I really hope people will take advantage of an opportunity to just 
stop once a week for six weeks and allow that space between the seasons as they are changing to maybe set the intention so that you have more strength, more capacity, more stillness, um, or just more of intention of what you want it to look like going into the fall and the winter and all the things that come with that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, some amazing things happen when we commit ourselves to a six weeks of, or if someone signs up like now, eight weeks of a meditation practice and the kind of the, the, investments, the kind of dividends that you get back pretty quickly. And that was exactly why I did it now. It was because I was too busy to do it actually, which to me signaled that I really needed to do it. And, you know, this is just a time of a lot of turbulence of emotional turbulence and a lot of changes. Well, before we start into the meditation, is there anything else you'd like to, I, so I will put the information about your upcoming course in the show notes. And if you happen to be listening to this after her course has opened, as I know that these types of things get listened to over the course of many years, I'll make sure that your contact information is there as well, because I know you have some things that you offer on socials and and other platforms as well. So if people want to get to know you, I hope they will. I hope they'll reach out and and get a chance to get to know you. And, And even if it's just that this one offering become something that they can rely on regularly for a time right now, if that's all that they can make space for. I'm thrilled to offer that. And I'm really grateful for you being here to do that as well. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. And, you know, I have lots and lots of free meditations on YouTube as well that are all evidence-based. So they can Ooh, let's make sure we link to those too. Okay. Yeah. 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 So if everyone's ready, so long as you're not driving when you're listening to this um, uh, or walking, <laughs> Go ahead and have just a just a soft seated position. And if your legs are crossed, maybe uncross them. And if it's possible, see if you can sit up in a bit of a tall, dignified position, just with any backrest that you might need. And it's fine to have a backrest. There's no problem for that. But just kind of a taller kind of non-slouchy position. And when you're ready, just very gently go ahead and close the eyes. If that doesn't feel comfortable, you can just have a soft downward gaze. And let's just begin by taking a few deeper breaths and exhaling with an audible sigh. Ah. Just gently letting go the first few sighs of anything that's no longer serving you. And then just gently putting your attention on your breath, not trying to alter it in any way, just simply noticing the in-breath and the out-breath. See if it's possible to drop the shoulders away from the ears just a bit. Is it possible to relax the jaw just a bit? And still keeping your eyes closed, 
Let's just do an easy scan of the body, just starting at the tip of the head and at your own pace, working your way down until maybe you get to a place of constriction, perhaps at the neck, shoulders, or the back. Could even be your jaw or your head. Wherever that is, just softly breathing into the constriction that you might feel, the tightness, the holding. Giving it permission to be. Not trying to make it go away, not forcing anything to happen. Just gently returning back to the breath as the anchor. Again, just noticing the breath, following it all the way through. Now I want you to put your attention at the crown of your head, maybe an inch above your head. Begin to imagine a bright, white, beautiful, pure light that connects you to all other beings. Notice this light becoming stronger just above your head, this energy. Just with your next inhalation, just gently drawing in this white light and moving the white light all the way down the spine to the base of the spine. Once you're there, moving into a soft, gentle exhale and returning this light all the way back up to the crown of the head through the spine, not forcing anything, just slow and steady capturing this white, pure, chronic energy in the crown, moving it gently, softly to the base, pausing there for a moment before you bring this light all the way back up. Just going at your own pace, not forcing anything to happen. Just gently returning back to it when your mind has wandered. Now after your next exhalation, letting go of this image and this sensation and just returning back to the breath. Just gently resting here. And 
And as you rest here, just asking ourselves this simple question of, what am I grateful for? What are the many blessings in my life? Allowing any images, thoughts to float up. Generating a sense of gratitude, of contentment at the heart center. Still keeping the eyes closed, just resting once more. Just resting and being. Now I want you to take both the palms of your hand and place them on your chest at the center of your chest at your Beautiful heart center. Just emanate love, compassion, forgiveness, kindness to yourself. Just allowing yourself to receive this love, this compassion. And then just taking a few deeper breaths, returning back to the room, back to the body. And just when you're ready, and only when you're ready, you can softly open your eyes. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on the Wellness Restoration Project. I hope that you had a really great experience. If you're ready to learn more about the resources that I'm introducing you to here on the podcast, come join me over on Instagram or on my website at shellyswap.com and I'll have links for you for all of my upcoming programs. I have local offerings as well as online resources for you to take advantage of in your journey to be well. Until next time, be well.